mailbag. Nothing personal. Word of the day is mailbag. It's one of your favorite episodes monthly. It's the mailbag bonus episode of nothing personal. What we do here is we answer your questions that you ask us when you go to Apple, go to your Apple podcast. It's that purple thing on your smartphone. You go to nothing personal with David Sampson in the search bar. If you just do like N-O-T-H, I think it's the first one that comes up. You hit subscribe or follow or whatever you're supposed to hit. And then rate five stars, of course, please. We're trying to get as many ratings as possible because there are people who pay for ratings. Isn't that amazing? Then you ask a question within your review. You can review the show. Say, hey, he can't pronounce names. You can say, hey, I never know what the guy's talking about. You can say, hey, I listen on one X speed, but it sounds like it's on one and a half X speed. You can say any of that. But if you put a question in, I go through and answer questions once a month at the end of every month. It is the end of March. Today is March 29th, 2021. Amazing. I said this last week on the show. We're a quarter done with 21. I feel like 21 is going at warp speed, whereas 2020 went at, what's the opposite of warp speed? The anti-warp speed. But here we are, the March 2021 mailbag episode. Let's start. Okay. Question one. Hey, David. Hello. What was the strangest clause you had to include in a player contract to keep them from doing something or strangest in general? Thanks. I like that question. I want to talk about two players right now. And strange is a word of many meanings. My definition of strange is not ordinary. My definition of strange is something that I don't want to have to include in a contract, but I have to because I really want to get the player signed. And this player wants something that isn't normally asked for. And I may or may not want to give it, but at the end of the day, we're just going to give it. You may have heard about a first round pick we signed many years ago, a man named Justin Wayne. I was on a pre on Coca's last show was called Canel and Bell with two great guys, Danny Canel and Raja Bell. When I swooped him up and stole him for nothing personal. Thank you, Coca. By the way, Coca's with us today running the mailbag episode, of course. Justin Wayne was a pitcher out of Stanford who was from Hawaii, and he demanded that included in his contract when he signed as a free as a as a drafted player in the regular what's called the rule Four draft in Major League Baseball, which are players who are eligible either after high school or after their junior or senior years in, in college. He demanded first class plane tickets for his family to Montreal from Hawaii. And he was getting millions of dollars from us. And I was a straight no chance. Fly your own family. Why do we have to pay for your family to come watch you play? Get in the car. And then I was told, you can't drive from Hawaii. I said, no problem. Get in the boat. But there's no way we're including it. Of course we did. Jeff Conine, when he came to us, 
We had to put into a contract that he couldn't play racquetball. Of course, he played racquetball, hurt his shoulder, got hurt, could have canceled his contract because of that, but didn't. One of the very few times in my career where it was personal. He and I had a budding friendship that exists to this day in a very meaningful way. And we could have taken money out of his pocket and out of his family's pocket, but we chose not to because he played racquetball when he shouldn't have. What we try to do when we sign players is we try to know what they like doing, like D Gordon liked playing basketball. So when we signed D Gordon, we said, okay, D, we're going to give you all this money on two conditions. Don't do steroids, please. And don't play basketball. Now, why would we tell a player not to play basketball? Because D Gordon liked basketball more than he liked baseball and he loved baseball. One of the great guys I've been around other than that moment in 2016, which I choose not to think about. But the fact of the matter is we put in there a clause, no full court basketball. When you sign a player, you look at what they like and you stop them from doing everything they like that if there's even a remote possibility, even a remote possibility that doing what he likes would cause him to miss time on the baseball diamond. Because it is always business, right? It's not that we're trying to stop you from having hobbies, but how about crochet? How about needlepoint? How about crossword puzzles? We actually gave in to D who uh, in our clubhouse in Marlins Park, we put up a Nerf hoop and we let him play basketball in the Nerf hoop, which he did after every game. But that was about as much as we were willing to do in terms of basketball. One of the stories about uh, players is that when they are signing, they give you a list of demands. And sometimes they want clauses that they want sweets they want suites on the road because they want to stay in suites because when a baseball team travels, you get a regular room, a king room with a king bed. And if you want a suite, the contract you sign with the hotel charges you more as a team. You get rates. You get rate for a king room. Then you get rates for a suite. And then you get a presidential suite always thrown in because that's where the owner stays. If the owner's with the team or the president stays, if the president's with the team and not the owner or the GM stays, if the president's not with the team and the owner's not with the team, and if the, the manager stays, if the GM's not with the team and the president's not with the team and the owner's not with the team. So there's an incremental dollar amount. Now we're not talking about enough to break a bank, but we would not want to include that in unless we have to. And certain free agent deals, you say sweet on the road, but the player will pay the difference. That's when we win the point. A sweet on the road, blank. That's when we lose the point and we pay the difference. Players ask for seats. I like that. You have the right to buy four seats in the first row. You have the right to buy a suite on the road or a suite in the home stadium. Those are all clauses that can exist, but you're asking me what was the strangest clause in general? That's definitely the first class tickets from Hawaii for a player who, by the way, ended up in prison for insurance fraud. He's in prison right now. He's serving a four-year deal. Justin Wayne's career did not work out. There was a uh, debut that he had. So I guess his parents did fly. I got a funny story about that, Coca. We, when, when running a team, there is expenses. And as president of the team, I would sign off on, on my direct reports, expense sheets. And there were certain 
employees who I did not sign off on because they reported to people who reported to me. An example of an expense where I demanded to sign off were Justin Wayne's first class plane tickets because I wanted to see when they were being used to make sure that he didn't use more and try to game us. So I signed off on those. And yes, he did use them. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to the Mailbag episode, end of March, end of the first quarter of 2021. Let's get right back to it. Got a late question from something that went on this weekend that is certainly worth talking about on the Mailbag episode or any episode of Nothing Personal. The question is, will MLB move the All-Star game out of Atlanta the way the NBA moved its All-Star game out of Charlotte in 2017? Huh? Well, if you're living under a rock, here's what happened. After the 2020 election, there have been many states that have undertaken to change the rules, figure out how to get voting straight, Was the election stolen? Were illegal votes cast? Were too many votes counted? Georgia recently in its state legislature passed a bill that many are calling worse than the Jim Crow laws. Some are saying they're just trying to make sure that everything is done above board and that everyone who has the right to vote gets to vote and everyone has one vote and that's it. Yet part of this new law or bill, shall I say, is that you're not allowed. Now, sit down for this. You're going to like it. When people are waiting online to vote, you may not give them water or snacks, because if you do, you may be telling them who to vote for. That'd be no good. You got to stand online sometimes for hours at a time. No water, no food, no chairs. Okay, what else? Other types of voter suppression impacting drop boxes where you can put a ballot, mandatory ID required, which is not necessarily necessary given technology. And Georgia 
is a swing state. Why is this so important? What I want is quite simple, and I hope it's what you want. I want a fair election. If it's a Republican voted in, great. If it's a Democrat voted in, great. If it's someone you agree with, great. If it's someone you don't agree with, great. Vote that person out the next time. Get yourself involved. What we can't have is individual states deciding to do specific things that will, by definition, change the vote, stop the vote, hurt the vote. It's just as bad as gerrymandering, folks. Gerrymandering is when you design districts in a way to change representation in a state, federally, in your House, Congress, Senate. Can't change Senate. You get two senators, Coca. Come on, wake up this morning, random Monday morning. I'm grumpy. I'm grumpy. I didn't sleep last night. I'm grumpy because I don't like what's happening because sports is put in a position where we are now the moral conscience of the country. Tony Clark, the head of the union in baseball, came out and said, I would be very happy to have a conversation with baseball about taking the All-Star game out of Atlanta. Dave Roberts, the manager of the National League team, because when you are in the World Series, that's who manages the All-Star game the next year. It is the two teams from the previous year's World Series. So you've got Kevin Cash against Dave Roberts. Now, it's not the man or the woman who gets to manage. It is the team, whoever happens to be managing the team. So if you bring your team to the World Series and get fired, then it's the new manager who gets to be the manager of the All-Star game. Dave Roberts came out and said, I would definitely have to learn more and really think about whether or not I want to be in Atlanta to manage the All-Star game. What about to play the Braves? Are you going to go play the Braves in Atlanta? These are serious questions. Are we boycotting all sports in Georgia? Are we boycotting, boycotting all business? Are you done drinking Coca-Cola? No more CNN? There's a lot of people on the left who are very disappointed right now about what happened in Georgia. That's for sure. Worried that the 14 members of its house could somehow, somehow change, be in jeopardy, somehow be voted out, somehow be voted in. There's all sorts of political stuff going on. And whose responsibility is it to change it? This is something I wrestle with every day. What can one person do? If one person doesn't do it, that means two people can't do it. And if two people can't do it, that means three. Do you get where I'm going? That means by definition, it all starts with one person. Some people have more sway than others. The head of Coca-Cola has more sway in Atlanta than I do, or than Dave Roberts does, or than Tony Clark does. The head of CNN has way more sway than Tony Clark or Dave Roberts or David Sampson or Matthew Coca. But does that mean that we should not do what's right or talk about it? We have to. All-star games are chosen years in advance. Preparations are made. You've got hotels that are reserved. You've heard me talk all the time about postseason games and why having neutral site playoffs is so difficult because cities want to have advance notice of when they're hosting something like the Super Bowl, because then they can be even more prepared and why seven teams in the playoffs in MLB have to prepare to host the World Series, even though only two of them will. And if we're in a neutral site, I guess that would be easier 
but then the fans would lose out. And that's why I'm not in favor of neutral site World Series, unlike Scott Boris, who very much wants it. And it's been talked about within ownership. The All-Star Game is the same thing. Years of preparation. Could baseball just move it? The answer is yes. The answer is that they could choose a city based on the political leanings that it believes in, not necessarily its fans, not necessarily its owners, but the royal we of baseball, the players, the player union, some owners, not others. What a dangerous precedent that would make. Why was the NBA All-Star Game moved out of Charlotte? You may recall that Charlotte had passed or North Carolina had passed some legislation that was very, very anti-LGBTQ. Back when LGBTQ was the issue of the day, then you move on to another issue and another issue and another issue. I had a long talk with Coca about this, that we handle one issue as it comes and then it gets forgotten about and you move on to the next issue. It's when there's a natural disaster. Send money to the Red Cross because there was a hurricane that hit New Orleans, Katrina, or Sandy in New York, or the the big tsunami in Japan or in Thailand. Send money. You send money, you raise money, you get a good press release out of it. The Marlins today donated $100,000 to victims of Hurricane Andrew. Hurricane Andrew is before the Marlins, but I'm just saying. So you get the good press, you give the money, you don't follow up on where the money goes. You don't follow up on how much of the money goes to actually save or rebuild or help. You just get the PR release. Companies do this all the time. You have to be on the front end of this. But then what? Then the next issue comes. The union and the league have given $3 million to Black Lives Matter causes. David Sampson and Matthew Coca gave $100,000 to 100 different charities during the course of the pandemic. I didn't follow up on what happened to the actors on Broadway and the technical people who didn't work when we gave money to Broadway Cares. I didn't follow up on what happened to the food service workers who were out of business around the different ballparks. I didn't follow up with the teams that were given money because I know what teams do with their money because I was in charge of a foundation and we are a pinky in the dam of crap that exists and unbelievably important causes that exist. And it can be overwhelming. So when does an organization choose to take a stand as significant as what the NBA did? Who remembers it? Four years ago. How many of you remembered that the NBA pulled the All-Star game out of Charlotte four years ago? Anybody? If MLB pulls the All-Star game out of 2021 in Atlanta, guess what will happen? I've got a suggestion. I know exactly what will happen. A lot of attention. A lot of attention about the new bills. What about what's happening in Arizona? or in Texas or in other swing states? Are we getting all corporations and all sports to boycott any city that does anything? I don't know where to start and I don't know where it ends. And my level of frustration is off the charts right now. 
Have you ever had that feeling when you have so much to do and it's so overwhelming, you don't know where to start? And my advice to you is always just do one thing. Start with one thing and then move on to the next thing. Then move on to the next thing. Cross one thing off your list at a time. I keep lists. I have pads everywhere. I have pads with stuff written on it. I've got lists. I've got notes in my phone. I cross it off. I told you I have short-term, mid-term, and long-term issues that I deal with every day. Certainly the short-term ones have to be dealt with every day. And sometimes I get this feeling that I can't stop. I didn't sleep last night. It was one of those nights. I get this feeling that I can't stop because the list will never end. Am I making a difference? Is it making a difference? Any of our actions? What's going on right now in Georgia needs to be handled because when you are suppressing voters and votes, you are not acting at the will of the people. So many things go on in this country. We're going to review a movie sometime next week. It's a new Netflix movie called Seaspiracy. And we're going to have quite a talk about that because I just want you to learn. And I wanted me to learn. That's what I try to do to combat everything that goes on in this world is just that's why you don't sleep, right? There's so much to learn. It never stops. How do you ever stop your brain from learning something new? Because there's so much out there that you don't know. I'm talking to you about voter suppression. I'm talking to you about the bill in Atlanta, in Georgia. And guess what? Mia culpa. I read the articles. I didn't read the bill. I'm reading what I think will result, what people are saying could result, will result. That's what Tony Clark reads. That's what Dave Roberts reads. That's what Rob Manford reads. That's what David Sampson reads. That's what you read. So then we have to look at where we're reading it. What's the source? Study the source. Learn the different agendas of the source of your information, and it goes on and on. Your question is, can MLB move the All-Star game out of Georgia? You're damn right they can. Will they? No chance. It's too much. Hi, David. Hello. Regular listener to the Nothing Personal with David Sampson podcast. And I want to talk to you about the 40-man roster. How does it work in baseball? What goes into deciding who's on it? Who gets DFA'd and who stays in the minors? Thank you. And keep up the excellent work. Well, thank you, Luke. I appreciate that question. And I'm going to answer it because this is the time of year as the regular season starts. We are three days away from regular season baseball. Games that count. No longer do we have to read articles about Shohei Otani hitting 500 with four home runs. No longer do we have to read articles about, is this minor leaguer going to make the team? Who's injured? Who's not? The games start and they matter. We have a very big way to see Coke, and I haven't looked at the standings today, but I will. We said that the winner of the Grapefruit League, that's the Florida Spring Training, and the winner of the Cactus League, that is the Arizona Spring Training, will not make Major League Baseball playoffs because spring training doesn't mean a thing. Don't mean a thing without the ring. So how does the 40-man roster work? Here it is. Remember the computer, the uh, John, what's the name of the computer in war games, Coca? Totally blanking. It's not Jonathan. It was named after his son. Matthew Broderick breaks into it with Ali Sheedy. I can't believe I'm having a senior moment here on a random Monday morning. It's, it's a very famous name of the computer that everybody knows. Anyway, the computer in baseball is everything. You go onto a, you have a special password. You go on and you see your roster. Your roster contains the following 40 names that are active status. 
That means 40 players who you can choose from to write out a lineup card every day. From your 40-man roster each day, you choose to have 26 people of that 40-man roster. 26 people. It's not, it's not Whopper Coca, but I appreciate that you're listening to the show and I appreciate that you're trying. It's not NORAD. That's funny. We're dealing with Coca. He's in his 30s. He's a millennial. NORAD is actually part of the defense that was run by Barry Corbin. We're going to take it to DEFCON 2. No, it's not that. The name of the program. When Matthew Broderick says, hello. <sighs> anyway, it's all good. I'm going to forget about that, Coca. Let's just edit out the whole War Games thing because we don't know it, and I'm going to remember it after we're done recording. Here we go. Six, seven, nine. We're talking about right now the 40-man roster. Every team chooses 26 players to be active. Those are 26 players that are put on a lineup card. What, what happens when the manager goes to home plate and meets with the other manager and the umpire? They are exchanging lineup cards. That is the official lineup card with the official batting order, the official members of the bench, the official members of the bullpen. Those are the players you get to choose from to play with that particular day. That's only 26 of the players. What about the other 14 players? The other 14 players are players who are protected on your 40-man roster but are not on your active big league roster. They are in the minor leagues. They can be a double A. They can be a triple A. They are called 40-man roster players. So 40-man roster players, if you're on the 40-man, it does not mean that you are on the big league team. It means you are on the team team. If you're not on the 40-man roster, there's a reason. That means that you are not of age. You do not have the experience in baseball, the service time in minor league baseball, if you will, that requires you to be on a 40-man roster. DFA is called designated for assignment. Designated for assignment is what happens to a player when you want to take him off your 40-man roster and you can't option him to the minor leagues. If a player is out of options, that means he's on your big league team, he's on your active roster, but he's hurt or he's ineffective and you want to replace him with someone else. Designating him means you take him off your active roster and then he gets taken off your 40-man roster and then you can add a player to your roster to get back to 40. So if I trade for a player in the middle of a season and he's got to go on my active 40-man roster because I want to play him in the big leagues and I already have 40 players on the roster, I've got two choices. I can designate a player off the roster or I can put one of those 40-man players on the injured list, little known fact, if you're on the injured list, you don't count on the 40-man roster. The law, the 60, there's, there's two injured lists. Now we're getting very technical. There's two injured lists. The long-term injured list used to be the 60-day DL, and then they made it the 30-day IL. Those are people that are hurt, that are still getting paid their rate, but they're not counted on the 40-man roster. It is a complete juggling act that all teams do to manage their roster. And the decisions that are made are based not just on skill, not just on need, but mostly on money. Because when you put a player on your roster, you have started that player's clock to him needing to either get arbitration or get free agency. 
You do not want to add a player to your roster until you have to, and you get to keep a player in the minor leagues for a certain number of years before that player has to either be added to the roster or what could happen. Remember those Rule 5 drafts that you read about? Dan Uglis signed by the Marlins in a Rule 5 draft. There's players on the Marlins right now who are who are Rule 5 away from other teams, and the rule is you can take a player from any organization you want who is not on the roster, the 40-man roster, but the rule is if you take them, you got to keep them on your 40-man roster for the whole year or else you have to offer him back to the team from whence he came. So you're putting together your roster. You're thinking about all these different things. That's why you have an assistant GM and a GM. You have people who are with you on the computer. You've got the president, the GM, and you are looking through player by player by player who has to be added to the roster, when that player has to be added to the roster. Are you going to add that player to the roster? Then you speak to your head of player personnel. You speak to the people in development, and you figure out a timeline of which players you suspect will be added to the roster when it's their turn, and then who's going to have to be taken off the roster in order to get those players on the roster, which is why at the end of every regular season, you see all of these players. John Doe was taken off the roster today. The following four players were taken off the roster by the Minnesota Twins yesterday. That happens after the season. It's called the roster purge because during the off season, you then see the next transaction. The following four people who you've never heard of have been added to the roster. I've never heard of them unless you're a total minor league sort of person paying attention to the prospects, not from baseball America, MLB.com because we don't pay attention to those lists. When you run a team, we have our own list of our prospects. We actually laugh. Here's a little side story, Coca. When the prospect rankings come out and they come out because you all love that, you want to see who the top 30 prospects are. We look at that and we just laugh. We go one by one. Okay. That's not our number one prospect. No, that guy, you have him at number eight. He's our number two. Cause we have a list of prospects according to not just skill, not just ability, but also roster management. All of that stuff matters folks. Uh, Jared Kellenick was not put on the roster this weekend. Do you remember that name? The great New York Mets player, the great prospect traded for Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano. The same player that the erstwhile president of the Seattle Mariners talked about saying, we are not going to have Jared Kellenick on the roster until late April. And everyone went crazy. Service time manipulation. Fire that man. So they did. He said a couple of other things in that speech that got him fired too. But the service time manipulation got all this attention. And I said, I don't know why it would get attention. Of course, Kellenick's not going to make the team out of spring training. You're going to put him in minor leagues for three weeks, then call him up in mid-April or wait till mid-June. If you hold him till mid-June, then you delay his arbitration by a year. If you hold him till mid-April, you delay his free agency by a year. That was the whole Chris Bryant scandal. Remember, Chris Bryant would have been a free agent this year but the Cubs didn't call him up until mid-April, so he's not a free agent until next year. He grieved it, and of course he lost. And by the way, he still thinks he's going to make $25 million a year. He doesn't have a chance. He's just not that good anymore. He needs a really good year. But that is how you manipulate service time, except the word that we use when you're actually running a team is managing your roster. Managing your roster is a skill that GMs have to have. It's more important than scouting. It's more important than development. It is more important 
than any other single act that a GM does during the course of his or her job is to manage the roster. Because when you screw it up, it can be tens of millions of dollars. What do I mean by that? Do you know that you make $600,000 in baseball at the minimum? So let's say you get called up year one, you make $600,000. Year two, you're still at the minimum, $630,000. Year three, you're still at the minimum, $660,000. Then you go into arbitration. If you're really good, you make $4 million. The second year of arbitration, if you're really good, you're going to go from four to from four to $7 million and then seven to 10. Let's say you go four, seven, 10, right? That's $21 million in arbitration plus three years at 600 grand, let's call it $22.8 million, rounded up to 23, rounded up to 25, as far as I'm concerned. $25 million, you're paying a player until he hits free agency. What happens if that player gets a second chance at arbitration? Meaning he gets four years of arbitration, that's called the super two. A super two is someone who's called up in April instead of in June, late April instead of late June. That means that's two years at 600 grand. That's 1.2 million. Then he gets first year of arbitration at 4 million, then seven, then 10, then 14. Uh-oh, that's an extra year at 14 million instead of an extra year of 600,000. Holy crap. You just cost us $11 million and we got two weeks of play out of you? That's the math that's done. Sure, we can have Jared Kalanick brought up April 1st instead of April 20th, and he'll be there for 19 games. Go team. How great is it that we called up our minor leaguer first? We don't service time manipulate. We put the best 26 guys we can on the team from day one. That's what we should all be doing. Are you out of your mind? Fans don't want that because if they do, they don't understand it. If you call up a player three weeks early, what are you going to do when you have to pay that player $14 million more than you needed to? You're not going to sign another player. You could have had both the minor league player and then still yet another player and your team's better. All because you wanted an extra 19 days? I'll take it even further. Miguel Cabrera, we called him up in June of 2003. That cost him a year of arbitration. Phenomenal. Anyway, that's how you do it. That's how it's always been done. And it will only change. Keep in mind, it will only change under the collective bargaining agreement. That's a pretty big wait to see. Besides making a team more competitive for the playoffs or moving a bad contract, what are some other reasons to move players at the trade deadline? Do players ever suggest getting rid of teammates? Do corporate sponsors ever influence? I wanted to take this question because I was fascinated by it. And I was fascinated by the thought, hearkening back to 18 years running a team, whether or not we ever traded a player or released a player because of anything other than performance. Hmm. Yes. Let's go through a few reasons. When you've got a clubhouse, and I've talked about this on recent Nothing Personal episodes, I think, or maybe not, I can't remember. You talk about putting a team together. This is part of my problem, right? How can you remember if you don't sleep? You put a team together 
that you think can be competitive on the field, that you think will play well together, that you think will be selfless together. You hope not to have 26 guys, 26 cabs. You watch the clubhouse carefully. You speak to your manager on a daily basis about things going on in the clubhouse. You choose players to be captains, people who can influence the team and communicate with the front office. You find players not to be moles. You find players who will talk to you honestly about things that are going on in the clubhouse that you can be helpful with. Sometimes you will be told that there is a bad apple in the clubhouse. You'll be told that by talking to the clubhouse manager. We didn't trade for player like Yassel Puig as an example, didn't trade for him because of what we thought would be a bad apple coming into the clubhouse. Character matters in baseball, and I don't mean what you do off the field. I'm talking about not whether or not you're a family man or good at business or whether or not you're on the right or the left politically. I'm talking about what you are inside the room. Do you make people around you better? There are some things that we used to call, and I think you've read about it, it's called addition by subtraction. Addition by subtraction is something that I always had a very hard time getting fans to understand. Addition by subtraction is when you are trading a player, however good that player has been, because on balance, the players who remain will be better than however good the player was who you have traded away. Because of reasons that you have measured that you can only measure through experience and being in the room where it happens. It's why I always had a hard time with certain members of the media with certain fans and certain people. I love everybody's opinion. I love everybody saying they can do the job that I did better than I did because most of you are right. I certainly didn't do everything right. I certainly wasn't good at everything. But there is one thing that I had that you didn't have other than opportunity, other than privilege. What I had was access. And with access comes information. And this goes for anything you do, not business related, not baseball related. This is life related. And we talked about it earlier in the show. Information is everything. In baseball, we use the word information more than any other word, much more than pitchability, much more than velocity, much more than launch angle, much more than analytics. We use the word information because we want it at every level. We want the stats, no doubt. But we want with our eyes, which is why teams that are solely analytical will not win in this game. You need to use all the arrows in your quiver. You need to use your eyes, your gut, your heart, and you need to use your brain. And what your brain does is takes in the information, and then that helps it make decisions. Remember what I told you about garbage in, garbage out, right? If you're asked to make a decision at work and you do that decision and make that decision based on information that you have gleaned from two other employees and your boss, except they gave you the wrong information and you made a decision based on that information and then your decision was wrong and then you get fired and you say, how could, what could I do? It was garbage in. So of course it's garbage out. When you're hiring people in your company or when you're doing your job, what you want to do is give your employer the best information you can. And if it's not right, you make sure you let him or her or them know it's not right. If you don't know something for sure, you say you don't know. So we use information to decide what we're going to do with players. We use information to decide not because a corporate sponsor comes up to us and says, we don't like that guy. He didn't show up at our event. Or a player says, I don't like this guy. He's a pain in my ass. God, I've heard that a million times. This player talks too much. 
He comes in late, doesn't work hard, doesn't care. Get rid of him. It's your long-term contract guys who will talk to you that way because they know they're there and they want to be surrounded by people. Or maybe they just have a personal issue. I've had players who have said to me, trade this person. I don't like the way he looks at me. I don't like the way he treats my wife. I've heard that. You take all that information and then you make the decision that you make. So when you ask me, do players ever suggest getting rid of teammates? Yes. Do corporate sponsors ever have influence? No, but they certainly try. Are there reasons to move players to the deadline other than a bad contract or other than when you're trying to cut money? The answer is yes. All of it is based on a totality of your information that you are trying to fit into the puzzle that will result in winning more games. Because believe it or not, no matter what anyone says to you, it is all about winning more games. No matter what your payroll is, every executive of a team that has a $40 million payroll or a $200 million payroll, it doesn't matter. They're all using what they are given to try to win as many games as possible. Okay, someone asked me, they, they like the lists I do. Movies, books, songs. Someone said, could you please give me your top five concerts that you've ever been to? That's a good one. I wanted to answer that. And the reason I wanted to answer that is uh, I love concerts and it's something I miss with COVID. And uh, hopefully everyone will get vaccinated and people can start going on tour. So I wanted to give you, I couldn't do a top five, even though I always tell you, you have to work hard and come up with the top list. So I wanted to give you a top eight. That's all. So I'm going to go through it and tell you, and you'll see some commonality. They're all based on, on, I guess I would say they're based on emotion. They're based on a feeling. They're based on a memory. Number eight was Bruce Hornsby, who performed at a Challenged Athletes Foundation fundraiser in New York many years ago. He only played three songs. I got a chance to talk to him after the concert, being on the board, and I used absolutely my place in that foundation and in that great organization. It's called CAF. It's one of the organizations that we've always raised money for. It gives a, uh, um, disabled athletes the ability to continue to be athletic is the elevator speech about Challenge Athletes Foundation, whether it's giving a prosthetic or giving a wheelchair for basketball or some sort of leg. Sarah Reinertsen is a one of the great women from Challenge Athletes Foundation who did an Ironman, ran around the world with me. Uh, so Bruce Hornsby gave this concert. He was so good because it was so small. It was like a private concert. I simply loved it. Number seven is completely the opposite of that. It was a huge concert at Giant Stadium with Elton John and Billy Joel. I was sitting way, this is in the 90s. I was sitting way up on top and I'm looking down and I'm listening to this music and I'm watching these two titans of music play and I'm looking around at 75,000 people, all of whom are just raptured, just completely in a trance. And I just remember looking and, and, and being thankful, thinking that would be the best concert I ever went to. And it only ended up being number seven on my list. Number six is going to, he's going to appear three times on this list and it's Bruce Springsteen. I've been lucky enough to be at many Bruce Springsteen concerts. He is the single best performer I've ever seen. He plays three to four hours and he really, he never leaves the stage. And I don't necessarily agree with his politics. I don't agree with being preached to during the course of a concert. 
necessarily, but I do appreciate how hard he works, whatever age he is, to entertain me. And I was lucky enough to see him out of the country in a place called Gothenburg. And it was a very, very rainy day. The concert was delayed. He started the concert with a version of Clearance CCR, Clearance Clearwater Revival, Who Will Stop the Rain? And it was the first time that I'd been to a concert overseas. And I recall looking out and saying how interesting it is that someone, Bruce Springsteen in this case, but there's so many bands like this, there's so many actors like this, there's so many performers like this, who can transcend language, they can transcend barriers, borders, politics, and they are there for one thing, and that is to make you feel. And I did a lot of feeling at that concert. I was lucky enough to go see Billy Joel in Sunrise, Florida. He played New Year's Eve concerts uh, several years in a row in Sunrise. I remember well his concert on December 31st, 2016. And he started that concert with the song called Miami 2017. And I was obsessed at that time with getting Billy Joel to play at the All-Star Game that we were hosting that July 2017. I wanted him to play Miami 2017 to start the All-Star Game. Totally rebuffed by Major League Baseball. Didn't even let me try to reach Billy Joel to ask him. But that concert was spectacular. My fourth favorite concert was a concert by Elvis Costello at Brown University. When I was a freshman, I went to visit my, I was a freshman at Tufts University in Medford, Mass. I went to visit my best friend, Peter Eunice. May he rest in peace. He passed away way too young at the age of 51 this past year. And I went to Brown and he was, he went to Brown and I went to visit and it was spring fling and Elvis Costello was playing. And we got our way into the concert and Elvis Costello was doing what's called a wheel concert. He had a big wheel, like the Price is Right wheel for the showcase showdown when you have to get closest to a dollar. If you don't know, just ask Bob Barker or Drew Carey. So he had a wheel that had all of his songs and he played, he said, and he did, he will stay there and play until every single song has been played on the wheel. So he'd spin the wheel, a song would come up. What's so funny about peace, love and understanding? He'd sing it, spin the wheel, Allison comes up, spin the wheel, Oliver's Army comes up, sings it, spins the wheel, pump it up, comes up, sings it, spins the wheel, peace, love and understanding comes up. Second time, he sings it, but differently. The concert kept going. Finally, he manufactured the wheel so it would get to the last song, but it, very memorable. And given the state of mind I was in, it's shocking that I remember it at all, but believe me, I do. My third favorite concert was at the New Meadowlands. When they built that, uh, the first concert that I saw there was Bruce Springsteen, and it was in 2012. There was a terrible rain delay, and we were there three hours waiting for the concert to begin. And it began at 1030 at night. And so he still played a full concert. We didn't know that he would, but he did. At midnight, he played Wilson Pickett's The Midnight Hour. It was his mom's birthday and brought her out to celebrate a cake. The concert ended at two in the morning. I could not believe that I was watching the E Street Band at two in the morning at the New Meadowlands. That was my third favorite concert. My second favorite concert is also a Springsteen concert, but it incorporates Elvis Costello. I don't... I love how athletes know each other and entertainers know each other. And hey, do you want to come watch? Do you want to come listen? Do you want to come play? Come join us, come on stage. You never know who you're going to see. At MSG, Madison Square Garden, the greatest arena in the world. That's not just the nickname of it. It is the greatest arena in the world. In 2009, Springsteen started his concert with Thundercrack, my all-time favorite Springsteen song. It's the only time I've ever heard it in concert. 
all of a sudden at the end of the concert, he's starting to play a song by Jackie Wilson called Higher and Higher. Your love keeps lifting me higher. And all of a sudden I'm looking on stage. That can't be. That's not him. No way. It was Elvis Costello. Elvis Costello joined Bruce Springsteen to sing the final song. And that was it. I had been to heaven. I'd been to the mountaintop. How can that not be my number one concert? And to end the show, the number one concert, there is nothing like your first. Do you remember your first baseball game? Do you remember your first concert? <clears throat> when we were get <clears throat> excuse me, Coca. When we were raising money trying to do this public-private partnership for the ballpark, little side story here, Coca, I would go talk to people trying to make sure that we could get constituency support. So that means commissioners would support the new ballpark. And one of the best lines I would use, because I really believed it, is that the money that I was asking for was money that could only be used for convention centers or for stadiums. It's special money designated by the Florida legislature. It's not money for police, for fire, for teachers. It is none of that. It's money that's used to attract tourism or to build things like stadiums or convention centers. And I would say to people, you have a choice how to spend this money, not to police and fire, but you have a choice between convention centers and ballparks. Do you remember your first convention? What was the first time you walked into the convention? Now, let me ask you this. Do you remember your first baseball game? Walking in and seeing the field, seeing the lights, walking in, holding the hand of your father, your mother, your sibling. I remember my first concert like it was yesterday. It was at the Beacon Theater. I was 15 years old. The name of the band, you'll never guess. Destination unknown. Life is so strange. I remember them singing this song. Missing Persons. Yes, that was my first concert. I don't even know if they're still around. The best concert I've ever been to, because how can the first not be your best? I appreciate that question. That was a good one. Well, I appreciate the mailbag. Here's how it goes. Get on Apple Podcasts, rate and review. I'm not able to get to every question on the mailbag episode, but we'll do another one at the end of April. Not able to get to every question in the So You Want to Talk to Samson segments, so I try to answer as many as I can on Twitter, or I'll put them in the show, or I just can't get to them, and I am sorry about that. Or... On Thursday nights, we try to do Twitter spaces or Instagram live to answer even more questions. There is no limit to the questions you have and I appreciate it. I want to answer all if I can because I love where your head is at all the time. Rate, review, subscribe, download, and keep enjoying nothing personal because remember, it's just business. This is nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.